2: What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Got another good one for you today as we are joined by former NBA scout Brian Oringer. He is here to help break down the coaching staff moves that were made as well as the front office moves that were made by the Warriors last week. More specifically, the player development department that has been added. You guys know I'm excited about that. So be sure to stick around for a great talk, a lot of insight on what the job entails. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
3: You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. We are brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's most exciting made-to-measure menswear company. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. I wish I had that for my brother's wedding, man. I wore Indochino to my brother's wedding. Killed it. Killed it. If you're not getting Indochino like uh, tailored suits, you guys, you're missing out. So anyways, Brian O'Ringer, former NBA scout, here to talk about the front office moves and the coaching staff moves that were made by the Warriors, specifically the Warriors player development coaches that they added. Aaron Miles, former Santa Cruz Warriors coach. Theo Robinson, Robertson was uh, Detroit's assistant video coordinator. Luke Lukes was the two-way development, uh, two-way player development coach for Golden State last year. And then Seth Cooper was the assistant coach at University of Illinois. And then Kent Lacob, promoted to director of player development. He was formerly the GM of the Santa Cruz Warriors. And the reason I'm having uh, Brian on is to help break down what exactly it is that a player development coach does. I realized I was all excited about these moves and these hires, and I didn't really know exactly what the job entails. How is it different from being a, just a regular assistant coach? And Brian gives us great insight, breaks it all down. So here it is, my talk with former NBA scout Brian Oringer. And we are now joined by former NBA scout Brian Ohringer. He's here to help us kind of figure out what it is exactly that these coaches do. Brian, I've been harping on the Warriors a little bit because – you know, I I don't think they've done a great job in player development over the last five years, but if the trade-off is championships over player development, you'll obviously take it. But they have made a move now and hired four different player development coaches and also promoted Kent Lacob, uh, one of the sons of, of Joe Lacob, to director of team, uh, excuse me, director of player development. He's a former Santa Cruz Warriors GM. So they now have this group of player development coaches and a director, which I was happy about. But then I look at it and I kind of realized, I don't know what that actually means. What does that entail? And so I figured you could help shine some light on that. Uh, Once again, thank you for joining me, man. Uh, The last time you came on, it was a big hit. So you're, you're my go-to from now on.
3: (laughs) Appreciate you having me. Yeah. I mean, I'd say, uh, you know, player development is a, is a crucial, huge role uh, on an NBA staff, um, it, it's almost a little separate, actually, than, you know, than your regular coaching staff, than Steve Kerr. And, you know, I think their job is more, um, you know, to prepare, prepare the team for every single game, prepare them for uh, what kind of plays they're going to go against, the tendencies of the opposing players. Uh, you know, whereas the player development staff is more working exclusively with, uh, you know, with the guys who are in their first couple years of their careers. Um, you know, and even sometimes with vets who who really want to transform part of their game with maybe a guy like Willie Cauley Stein, who, you know, has a, had a ton of potential coming into the league and hasn't really uh, panned out yet, maybe with guys that are looking to add a three point shot or expand their game in a certain way. So, you know, really, those are the guys who, um, you know, the coaches like Steve Kerr are probably working uh, much more on on the scheme, on what kind of adjustments they have to make. For the team as a whole, player development coaches are more the guys that are out there on a day-to-day basis with the guys two hours before practice, two hours after practice, uh, you know, sweating with them, putting them through the workouts, um, doing all that good stuff. So really essential, um, especially when you have as many kind of young and developing players um, as they do have on the roster right now.
2: Definitely. And so I I like what you said also, because that's kind of where I figured it was, was a lot of it is the extra work that you do because it doesn't seem as if they're just gonna stop. Okay, well, let's cut into our game planning for tonight to do player development. So a lot of it is the the extra work before and after practices.
3: Yeah, for sure. You know, I I remember like from my uh, you know wizard's experience. Usually for uh, a couple hours before practice every single day, um, you know the the head coach will meet with with the assistant coaches, with the video guy, with watch film, you know, go over the previous night's game, um, you know, go over the upcoming opponents, kind of look at the big picture type things. And then, you know, sometimes the, there's players there, obviously a couple hours before practice who want to get a workout in um, and, and good teams usually have that structured where every single day, basically, they have a routine of, you know, two hours, starting two hours before practice, Youngest guys are probably in first, but all the vets even come in, get their skill work in, get their ball handling in, um, all that good stuff. So, yeah, I, I tend to look at it as probably, you know, situations where, like I said, Kerr and his, you know, his main guys, oldest coaches are up in the office watching film. And, you know, there's guys that are have to be on the court and potentially even, you know, trying to put together five on five games for. Guys that are get that are super young and not playing in games. Guys that are coming back from injuries, uh, things like that. You have to make sure they're taken care of and and still getting really good skill work out skill work in as well.
2: Definitely. So
3: the four that they added to the uh, player development
2: department are Aaron Miles. He was the former Santa Cruz Warriors coach. Theo Robertson uh, was Detroit's assistant video coordinator. Luke Luke's, who was the two way player development coach for. Golden State last year and then Seth Cooper who was an assistant coach at University of Illinois and they will all also be on the Warriors staff as well um so they'll not just be doing player development that is obviously their focus but they're going to be around for all the the regular stuff as well you'd assume correct
3: yeah you know and it's it's part of the staff I would imagine you know during the actual games um you know maybe a couple of those guys will be behind the bench uh you know a couple of them might be uh watching in the locker room or even available to to work with players that are um you know maybe just occasionally with the g league team they might go on assignment some um so they're kind of it's it's a jack of all trades uh, type role um you know i would think with the size of their staff you know they're not going to be there for for everything they're not going to be behind the bench for everything but uh yeah. They, they've, you know, certainly part of the staff, certainly travel with the team at times, um, you know, definitely work with Kerr and, and work with the coaches on, on what they're trying to accomplish, what kind of sets and plays they run, you know, what kind of system the warriors believe in. So yeah, you definitely want them to be fully integrated in things, but there is a little disconnect, like I said, between, you know, between the main coaching staff, usually and between the player development staff, um, mm-hmm. you know, it is more of a kind of specialized role and, uh, you know, from from the looks of it, and from kind of what you described, it's usually guys that are are a little younger, a little more mobile, um, you know, able to potentially get out there and still run with guys in a way definitely. that, uh, you know, Mike Brown probably can't. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a a pretty specific role that uh, sounds like you know you got some pretty good guys for.
2: Yeah, definitely, and I like that you brought up the uh, potentially going on assignment because. Uh, I still expect Alan smiley to spend most of his time down in Santa Cruz and some of the rookies might even, you know, you're hoping you get production out of pool and, and Pascal, but if not, they'll probably be getting time down in Santa Cruz. So you would expect some of these coaches to go with them uh, on some of these, you know, assignments, I guess you could say, is it a situation where a, one or two players might be assigned to a certain coach? Like I know Draymond early in his, his time, uh, Luke Walton was his guy. Like every day he was working with Luke Walton. Will it be something similar to that? Or is it kind of just, you know, get help from whoever?
3: Yeah. I mean, usually I think the way staffs work is, you know, especially with, you know, whatever your roster, 13, 14 man roster, usually most of those guys are are divvied up between the, you know, the three or four main assistant coaches will each kind of have their guy. Um, But, you know, certainly uh, the player development staff will, will also kind of have guys that they connect with more and, you know, be assigned to work mostly with, especially if they if they specialize in, in guard or in big uh, player development. But, yeah, kind of like you touched on, you know, I would think uh, Pascal Pool, the rookies, you know, the young guys, um, you know, it, it'll be really helpful, especially when they are assigned to still have, you know, a coach maybe that. That does even you know go with them and provides them kind of live workouts, film development. You know, make sure they're up to date on all the warriors uh, set plays and kind of you know sticking with the with the main club mentally. um, You know, in the event that they do have to go back and forth some. Um, So yeah, I think you just kind of want to make sure it's not a a disconnected environment where you're just kind of sending them down and then they're kind of floating on their own. You want them to still have that constant connection to the main team, Have feel like they're being, uh, you know, worked out and, and worked with every single day. And uh, by doing that, I think that's the best way you make sure guys continue to, to develop and stay locked in and feel like they're a part of the team.
0: This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: Kent Lacob just uh, was promoted to director of player development. And I know when anyone hears, you know, the owner's son getting a front office job or what have you, it, uh, you know, maybe some eyes might roll, which I understand completely, but he also... uh I think he got his foot in the door because of being the owner's son he's He's been with Santa Cruz for the last three or four years, I believe learning to work uh, in the front office. but I wanted to know as far as being the director of player development, you know I, I'm sure it entails kind of picking things that a player should work on, et cetera but what else might it entail and then how can you measure a, a player's development if they're potentially not getting any time? These are young players that aren't guaranteed to be getting. 20 minutes a game so can it be hard to really know when a player's been developing or not if they're not playing
3: uh yeah i mean it, it can definitely be hard you know it's it's <laughs> there's a huge difference between going against uh cones and a, and a pretty empty basketball court and, <laughs> you know making your shots in that scenario and then translating it uh, to games you know it's like you saw a guy like bruno uh caboclo you know be in toronto for so long and he yeah. He always look good in summer league and always, you know, apparently look good in workouts, but they just could never really find him, uh, you know, minutes with the real team. And he kind of just, uh, you know, was in the G league for, for so long that I think he kind of eventually just spaced out mentally and kind of lost his confidence. And, you know, it was good to see him, uh, get an opportunity in Memphis to actually play last season. And, and he looked pretty good, um, to be honest with you. So, Yeah, you know, I think uh, it is really hard, and even like you alluded to, when you have such a a great team, um, you know, a dynasty kind of building for the last few years, it's hard to develop uh, young guys, even like, you know, Quinn Cook, I I think sometimes, uh, you know, if he was as good as uh, Van Fleet in the finals, you guys probably win it, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but he, uh, you know, didn't really get that, a a ton of minutes uh, with the regular team, and, and playing, and Steph and those guys shadow, and, you know, now with the Lakers, does he maybe get more of an opportunity um, at that point guard spot and, and maybe really develop? He could, you know, so, yeah, it, it's definitely hard to, to measure when, you know, you don't have the minutes in, in real games to give guys, but, uh, you know, I, I think the Warriors will have some minutes, you know, especially without Clay to start the season to, to give some of the, those younger players, and hopefully you can measure it that way, but then, you know, if you can't, then, yeah, you just have to make sure they're getting some good five-on-five action. I think that's why, you know, you see so, ma- so many coaches, so many player development coaches hired, um, you know, especially that have playing experience because you do want guys that can uh, give them kind of simulated five-on-five games. You know, obviously when, when Steph and Raymond and those guys up high, be able to do anything basically in practice. Um, so that's when you really do need, you know, coaches almost to be a practice squad and be able to, you know, simulate five on five game speed action um, for for the young guys. So yeah, it's it's a balance as far as uh, Lake Up Son. I mean, yeah, I don't know anything about yeah. him. I, I will just say, you know, sometimes I think that director of player development title, um, you know, especially if it's a, in the family name a little bit, mm-hmm. can be a, a bit of a, a misnomer. You know, I, yeah. I say those guys that are player development coaches are probably doing a lot more of the the hands-on work, I would think. and You know, in terms of actually sweat equity and and being out there, you know, really developing the players, I would think that falls much more on the, uh, you know, the four guys that you mentioned um, and that those are kind of the more important uh, hires uh, from an everyday standpoint.
2: I like that you brought up uh, Bruno Caboclo. He was one of those guys that just, physically you just imagine that it has to work out at a certain point you know the wingspan the size all of that it, it has been nice to see him develop a little bit I, I wanted to ask you about it's a cliche and I wonder if you believe it or not or it's just something an excuse that some people make I guess that it takes longer for bigs to develop is that something that you believe in or is it just a, a, a nice uh, nice basketball cliche
3: uh, it's a little, probably a little cliche, but it's like they say, you know, I, I think every cliche maybe has a little basis in reality. Um, I don't know if it's about kind of the length of time or even just, you know, one thing that's definitely clear is I think a lot of bigs today, um, you know, we're kind of forced into playing basketball or kind of, you know, oh, you're seven foot, so you better go out and play basketball. Even if you don't love it, you better, you know, play inside and bang and dunk. Whereas, you know, some of them just want to, want to shoot the ball or don't necessarily love to to play inside and roll hard and you know get hit uh things of that nature so yeah i think it definitely maybe there's a toughness uh component that mm-hmm. um is missing a lot from from some of these young big men no matter what moves
2: you made last year turbo tax experts make them count did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse that's a move did you go back to school to get your degree that's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house, house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. they file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund, guaranteed. So... Switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Uh, Ron Adams, the longtime assistant coach, uh, defensive coordinator for the Warriors, for lack of a better term. He is actually taking a step back this year, and he is also going to be focusing on player development. And you touched on it before, but as far as a guy who's taking a step back from you know, the day-to-day game planning and focusing on player development, how will his day-to-day change? Is it kind of similar to the other player development coaches or, you know, it, I know you don't know the inner workings exactly, but just from a guy who was, you know, almost Kerr's number two or number three man to being player development, how, is that, how will that change?
3: Yeah, I hadn't even heard that. That's that's interesting. But, uh yeah, I would think, like, like Mike Brown, he's probably – uh, at his age, not much (laughs) help out on the actual floor, uh, moving around, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, maybe it's just from a standpoint of, you know, they do have, uh, D Lowe's 23, they have, uh, Colley's son who, you know, they really, really need to develop that, you know, maybe, I mean, he's such a brilliant basketball mind that's been around for so, so long, you know, when you have so many guys, even you look at, uh, you know, Glenn Robinson and, um, you know, Alec Burks, there's still young players who I think have have something more to give than they've obviously showed in the league so far. So I, I would think a guy like Adams, maybe that means, you know, more just figuring out how to how to develop those guys skill sets, how to how to make sure they're they're doing everything, um, you know, everything right to, to fit into the warrior system and, and be eventual uh, contributors for them, because, you know they're gonna need it. Like I said, especially with with Clay down for for a lot of the season potentially, they, you know, they're gonna need some young guys to to step up and take minutes there. They're gonna need Coley Stein to to really develop into an elite uh, role big. You know, so yeah, I would think that probably for somebody like Adams just means, you know, maybe he's the guy that is in Coley Stein's ear every day about, um, you know, working on his touch around the basket, working on rolling and finishing, you know, working on uh, the discipline, the little things, um, you know, that player development is is basketball. You know, it's – like I said, sometimes it does get kind of differentiated and it's and it's disconnected, but the best staffs, uh, you know, kind of operate one in the same and, and have everybody on the same page. Um, so I would think that's a good sign if, if Ron Adams is, is taking more, uh, more of a role, you know, on that player development side for sure.
2: Absolutely. He's actually – you know, been one of the coaches that focuses on player development over the last couple of years. And you mentioned him getting out on the court. It was always funny to see him like trying to D up Damian Jones or Kavon Looney when they were working after practice. You know, a little five nine Ron Adams going up against them. But uh, yeah, it's it's got to be a great move to have the guy with, you know, 40 years of NBA experience uh, focusing on player development. One of the last things I wanted to talk to you about was a couple of these guys are former video coordinators. I believe you were a former video coordinator as well, correct? Yeah. So what is the role of a video coordinator? And then I also want to know, does it help with just deeper understanding of the game and breaking down film for when they might move on to a, a coaching spot so because you spent so much time doing uh, the, the, the film breakdown?
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, it, it's the best way today for anybody really to, to get their foot in the door um, in basketball is to start in the film room. And, you know, that's how, uh eric bolster started vogel uh boonholzer mike brown you know all those guys it, it's a huge uh segue to coaching and you know the reason is because you really are pouring over the film every single day you're um at least when you're the head video coordinator um in all the coaches meetings in there at halftime pregame, game uh post-game you know i i tell people it was like getting a an nba in basketball you know you just get to really, you know, pour over the game plan, hear every single adjustment the coaches make, um, get to understand the game, you know, from their incredible perspective and all their 30-something years of experience um, in basketball. So, you know, yeah, th- those guys are uh, definitely workers, grinders. You, you have to work incredibly hard in that room. And, you know, your, your job is pretty much to, to watch basketball all day and, and be mm-hmm. on the court and just be around the team constantly. So, yeah, I mean, I... I from having been there, you know, definitely have the utmost uh, respect for for guys that started in the video room, and uh, you know, they definitely have a, a a great understanding of basketball if if they've uh, you know worked in a video NBA video room um, for a few seasons for sure. Uh, one of the last things I wanted to get to is they also
2: made the Warriors also made a bunch of moves in the front office. None of them too crazy. Uh, more more promotions. Mike Dunleavy Jr.'s assistant GM. Kirk Lacob is Executive Vice President of Basketball Ops. You know, a lot of titles being thrown around. Um, I know you didn't spend time in the front office, but you still were with organizations and close enough to kind of see it. Uh, Bob Myers this offseason at some, you know, at the rookie press conference just looked exhausted. And what we found out was he basically was the only person fielding calls for the front office. Like he was doing everything. So does it sound like these moves are more just – kind of building his infrastructure, finding people that can do some of the things that, so he doesn't have to carry 100% of the load?
3: Uh, I would hope so. I mean, you, <laughs> you definitely need to have a big staff in, in today's NBA. And, you know, you look at, I mean, the Spurs have a front office of like hundreds of people all around mm-hmm. the world. Um, You know, every, every summer league, I don't know if this is mainstream knowledge, people know this, but they – they actually fly and pay for every single intern, front office intern, front office employee. So they end up having like 200-something people um, at Summer League. So that was wow. always always pretty striking for me. But, uh, yeah, I, I forgot that I did see – was Mike Dunleavy – was he with the organization last year? Or he was he... a
2: scout last year. A, uh, yeah, he was an uh, area scout, I believe, and then uh, <laughs> this year moved up to assistant GM.
3: Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, guys like that that are kind of NBA lifers and that, you know, I'm sure learned a little bit more about the front office side and the cap and all that, you know, in, in past year year or so with the Warriors. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, ultimately the GM's only as good as as the staff around him and needs to have really good staff. So I, I would hope they're not uh, working Bob Myers to the to yeah of really. exhaustion. I, I would hope he has some good people around him. And uh, certainly, you know, Dunleavy is a – you know, uh, obviously a lifer and a guy that, that gets it. And I would think, you know, has a pretty good eye for, for evaluating talent and, uh, you know, knowing the game pretty well. So definitely, definitely encouraging when you see a name like that, uh, getting hired. I think this is like my third last question, but I mean it this time. Uh, yeah. part of
2: the moves was Zaza Pachulia was also hired as a consultant and he's going to be, have his toe in everything, kind of see what he wants to do, whether it's, you know, I'm sure we'll see him out on the court with some of the guys after practice at times or work in front office or doing, you know, community outreach, et cetera. Uh, in your experience, is there a an avenue, a position that fits former players better or is it really just to each their own? You know, it depends on the player's personality and that's where, you know, that's what will lead them to front office or or coaching, et cetera.
3: Yeah, I think it really depends on uh... – you know, how hard they're willing to work, uh, post playing, (laughs) um, you know, a lot of those guys, obviously they worked really hard as players and it's a tremendous, uh, physical toll on your body, but you know, to be fair, like players, even if, if they show up at 9.00 AM on a practice day, you know, they're probably out of the building by two, you know, two or three. Um, you know, if you want to be a coach, you're in there at 7.00 AM and you might not leave until, uh, 10 or 11 PM, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's a totally different, uh, level of grind and and mental grind. And, you know, I think a lot of players, uh, rightfully so haven't gone through a 15 or 20 year playing career, you know, feel like they've, uh, they've worked enough in their lives to that extent. And, you know, probably don't want to go into coaching and deal with those hours. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some things in the front office that are a little more laid back. There's, there's really laid back if you want to just kind of be around a couple hours a, a week and just sort of be an ambassador uh, type role that you talked about that, you know, maybe, um, you know, Zaza having the organization ties, maybe it was something charitable or, or maybe he does really want to be a GM someday, you know, work his way up in front of offices and maybe he is really going to be a grinder. So, yeah, I can't really speak to to what he wants to do exactly or, you know, what his outlook on it is, but there's, there's definitely a, a whole different uh, amount of roles you can have and uh really depends on you know what you want to do and and ultimately what his aspirations are
2: brian i've kept you longer than i already should man really appreciate the insight and just breaking down the the day-to-day work of of coaches in the nba it it really uh sheds a different light to it than just saying their title so we really
3: appreciate it man Awesome, no problem appreciate you having me
1: thanks thanks a lot
3: man
2: Thank you so much to Brian Oringer for joining us and breaking down the positions of these new development coaches, the video coordinators, the front office moves, all of that great insight from him. You guys should go follow him on Twitter at Scout with Brian and YouTube at Scout with Brian. You should also uh, go to his Patreon, sign up for that as for as low as $2 you guys get incredible content uh, that that you can get nowhere else it's great for understanding the game uh, especially, look, we're all hoops nerds no one's listening to Locked On Warriors if you're not a hoops nerd Uh, so great for understanding the game for understanding what makes Draymond so great, how Clay's able to get open when he's running for a mile through 10 different screens Uh, so I suggest you all go check it out but once again thank you so much to Brian and thank you guys so much for listening I'll be back later this week with more Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day you are Locked On Warriors your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors part of the Locked
1: On Podcast Network your team every day